Well, good morning, church. Thank you so much again for participating in our online worship service. We love you, we appreciate you, and we are so glad that you're with us today. We are continuing our series talking about family, talking about what it means for our families, for our homes, for our households to be little embassies of God's kingdom. From Mother's Day to Father's Day, I always like to do a series on family. One of the things, though, that we tend to do in the church when we talk about being Christian families is we spend all of our time talking about being families and not enough time talking about being Christian. I believe, my philosophy is, that if we're going to talk about being Christian families, the best way to talk about being Christian families is to spend less time talking about how to be family and spend more time talking about how to be Christian. What I mean is when we talk about how to be a better spouse, how to be a better parent, how to be a better brother, how to be a better sister, how to be a better son or daughter or grandparent or uncle or aunt or cousin, the best way for you to reach your full potential in your role in the family is for you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The best way for you to be the best spouse, if you're married, that you can be is for you to follow Jesus. The best way, if you have kids, the best way for you to be a better parent is for you to keep your eyes on Jesus. If you're a grandparent, if you're an aunt or uncle, if you're a son or daughter, if you're a brother or a sister, the best way for you to reach your full potential in that role or in any role in your life is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So that's what we're talking about in this series is we're talking about let's be every single one of us, whatever role we have in our own families, No matter how big our family is or how small our family is, let's all concentrate on being citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And as we seek first that kingdom, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then in the process, we will become better spouses, better sons, better daughters, better brothers, better sisters. No matter what role we play in the family, we will reach more of our full potential when we keep our eyes on Jesus. Now, I don't know if you remember this or not, but if you remember television before the days of streaming services, you probably remember that the very worst words that you could possibly hear or probably read at the very end of a television episode, the very worst words at the end of a television episode were these, to be continued. Oh, it was miserable, wasn't it? Because you'd read those words, you'd get right up to the climax and the good guy and the bad guy are fighting and then right at the very, you think it's going to be solved and everything's going to come to a happy ending and then it says to be continued and you had to wait a week or, or sometimes if it was at the end of a season, you had to wait months before you saw the next episode. Now, of course, we can stream and binge watch and all of those things, but in In the old days, we had to wait for the next episode to come about. We called those episodes cliffhangers, right? Cliffhangers, because the good guy was just hanging on, and we didn't know what's going to happen next. How is this story going to be resolved? How how is everything going to be taken care of? How are the wrongs going to be made right? How is everything going to be fixed? What 
is going to happen next. I don't know if we realize this or not, but in Jesus' day, their Bible, the Bible that Jesus grew up reading, the the Bible that Paul grew up reading, the Bible that every first century Jewish person, every child, every family, every home, their Bible was a cliffhanger. Their Bible ended with a dot, dot, dot. Their Bible ended with a to be continued. And it wasn't just a week that they had to wait for the next episode of the story of God. What's God going to do next with his people? When is all of this going to make sense? When is all of the the wrong things going to be made right? When are all of these things going to be fulfilled and satisfied? It wasn't a week that they had to wait. It wasn't even a, a season. It was 400 years for the next episode, waiting and waiting and waiting. What's going to happen next? How are all of these wrong things going to be made right? How are all of these things going to be satisfied? How is good going to be victorious over evil? What's going to happen next? Their Bible was a cliffhanger. And that's where Jesus comes in. And in the Sermon on the Mount, here's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus says, I'm, I'm not coming to compete with Moses. I'm coming to complete Moses. Jesus wasn't coming in competition with Moses or with the law. He's coming to bring completion to Moses, bring completion to the law, bring completion to the prophets. All of the visions, every vision, every law, every commandment, every promise, Jesus is saying, I'm coming to bring all of that to fulfillment, all of that to completion. All of it, all of it finds its ultimate fulfillment in me, Jesus is saying. Imagine the boldness of those words. Jesus is saying, not just I'm the next episode in the story of God and his people, Not just I'm the next chapter in the story of God and his people, but I'm the final chapter of God and his people. Everything before me was all leading up to me. Everything that Moses said, everything that the prophet said, everything that's been written, every commandment, every law, every promise, every vision finds its ultimate fulfillment in me. The law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Torah, the prophets, they were never, never meant to be the final chapter. Jesus is saying here, I'm not, I'm not coming to destroy the story of Israel. I'm not coming to say it didn't matter. I'm not coming to be in competition with the story, in competition with the law, in competition with Moses. I'm coming to bring completion to this story. I'm coming to wrap it up, 
I'm coming to be the fulfillment of it. Jesus isn't coming to destroy and say, none of those things before me mattered. In fact, he's saying they matter all the more because they were all pointing to me. You've been waiting. You've been waiting, whether you knew it or not, whether you understood it or not. The law, every single commandment of the law, every single story in the law, every single promise that God made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and to Joseph and to Moses, and to Joshua, and to David. It's all coming true in me. I'm the completion. I'm the fulfillment. I'm the final chapter in God's story of him and his covenant people, Israel. It's all pointing to me. Look at verse 18. Jesus says, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. God's word always accomplishes its purpose. God's word never returns to him void. Every single time, God's word accomplishes its purpose. Every single time. And Jesus is saying that even the smallest Even the smallest markings in the law, even the smallest markings in scripture, they are more solid, they are more concrete than the ground on which you're standing. They are solid. They will come to pass. They will accomplish what they were intended to accomplish when God's word came forth from his heart, when it came forth from his mind, when it came forth from his spirit, when it carried along the prophets who wrote these scriptures down, it will accomplish its intended purpose. And and what is its intended purpose? What is it that the law and the prophets were intended to accomplish? To bring people to faith in Jesus, the Messiah. He's bringing it to fulfillment. He's saying none of it's going to be untrue. None of it's going to fall by the wayside. None of it's going to fall void or return to God void or, oops, I said that, I made that promise, I said this was going to be the case, I gave you this commandment, I gave you these instructions, and oops, I guess that didn't matter, or I guess that wasn't important, or I guess that never came to fruition. Jesus says, no, even the smallest markings in Scripture even the little dots above the I's and the crossings of the T's, so to speak, every single marking in scripture is more solid than the ground on which you're standing and all of it will accomplish its purpose. And and Jesus boldly proclaims, and I am its purpose. I am the purpose of the law and the prophets. I am the fulfillment of every commandment, of every law, of every promise, of every vision of this story, I am the final chapter of God and his covenant people. Look at verse 19. He says, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. See, since Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the the prophets. 
following Jesus, following his teachings, doesn't put you at odds with the law. He wanted the people of his day to understand that following me, doing what I'm teaching you to do, doesn't put you at odds with the law. In fact, it puts you in harmony with the law. Jesus isn't teaching people to disregard the law and the prophets. He's teaching them to recognize that he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He's teaching them to to keep on believing these stories and these truths and these commandments and these promises because all of them have their fulfillment in him. Why, Why the temple? Why the priesthood? Why the sacrifices? Why the book of Leviticus with all of its strange rules and regulations? Why all of these commandments? Why all of these visions? Why all of these promises? And Jesus says, you will find the answer in me. All of it, all of it. The temple and the priesthood and the sacrifices and the laws, all of them were to bring the people of Israel and even the whole world to faith In Jesus, all of it, everything up to that point was said, was spoken, was written to prepare the way for Jesus. And so he says, I'm I'm not coming to disregard this or to teach you to disregard it. I'm teaching you to see it as having its fulfillment in me. Look at verse 20. He says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, what is, what is righteousness? Jesus says, unless, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. What is righteousness? It's not, it's not just doing good stuff. It is doing good stuff, but it's not just doing good stuff in sort of a general, vague sort of way. Righteousness is about being in a right covenant relationship with God and living out that right covenant relationship with God. And Jesus says, unless your righteousness, unless your faithfulness to the covenant, unless it exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, most people of Jesus' day thought the scribes and the Pharisees were the most righteous people in the world. These are people that are covenant faithful to the nth degree. But Jesus in his ministry would expose the lies and the hypocrisy of the scribes and Pharisees that their righteousness was merely external. Their righteousness wasn't from their heart. They had the appearance of righteousness. They had plenty of self-righteousness. They had convinced themselves that they were being faithful to the covenant. But that's what the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is all about. That this is, this is what it looks like to, to sort of be externally faithful to the covenant. You've heard it said, you know, don't murder. But I say to you, don't hate your brother. Because it's one thing to say, well, I, I didn't kill him, but you hated him in your heart. And Jesus would help us to see that true righteousness, true covenant faithfulness, being faithful to the covenant of God the relationship that God makes with his people, that it has to come from the heart. As many commentators say, that it's not about 
quantitative righteousness. He's not saying you have to do more good stuff than the scribes and Pharisees. He's saying it's about qualitative righteousness. Not quantitative, but qualitative. It's not about how much you do. It's about where that comes from. Whether it's just merely external or whether it comes from your heart. So Jesus is saying that he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And that the only way to truly be righteous, the only way to be in a right covenant relationship with God is to trust him, is to trust Jesus, is to follow Jesus, is to embrace him as the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Not just trusting him to to atone for our sins, that's part of it. There's no way for you to be in a right covenant relationship with God unless you trust Jesus to atone for your sins. And the same was true for the people of Jesus' day. There was no way for them to be in a right covenant relationship with God unless they trusted him as the high priest who would offer himself as a sacrifice, unless they trusted him to make atonement for their sins, but also trusting him in the sense of obeying him. That's what the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is all about, is about building your life building your house on the rock that is Jesus and his teachings. And he would say, if you listen to these words and you you hear them, but you don't obey them, you don't follow me, you don't trust me, you don't believe in me, you don't do what I'm commanding you to do, then you're like a foolish person who builds your house on the sand. And then when the storm comes, when the wind comes, when the waves come, when the rain comes crashing down, your house will collapse. But if you trust me, if you follow me, if you obey me, then it's like building your house on the rock. And then, as he says here, you will enter the kingdom of heaven, because then you will be righteous. You will be in a right covenant relationship with God because you trust in Jesus as the one who is the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. And we want that for ourselves and for our family, don't we? Not only to be righteous to be in a right covenant relationship with God and to do what is keeping with a right covenant relationship with God, but also to enter into the kingdom, into the age, into the time, into the rule and the reign of God where there is utter peace and life and where evil and sin and death and brokenness and decay and corruption is gone. And the promises of God that that's the inheritance that you and your family can enjoy forever can only be true if you follow and trust in and believe in Jesus. But here's something that I want us to understand. Jesus is the conclusion to a very particular story. Jesus is the conclusion to a very particular story. The story of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and David and Elijah and Jeremiah. 
This is the story that Jesus is the conclusion to. Jesus is the conclusion to this very particular story. And it's very important that we know and embrace this story. And it's very important that we know and embrace Jesus' role in this particular story. I was thinking, this may be a silly example, but I was thinking about here recently, the, the last Avengers movie came out, right? Endgame, you know, the last Avengers movie came out. Now, if you went and saw Avengers Endgame and you hadn't seen any of the movies before that, you you might be able to understand some of the things. You wouldn't understand all of it, but you might understand some of it, but it's the conclusion to a, a storyline that had been going for several years. They had made lots and lots of movies, and this was the final movie, and it sort of wrapped up and concluded, fulfilled everything that came before it. And you really needed to know the rest of the story that came before it to really understand and appreciate the final chapter. But what would make it even worse is if you went into the movie theater on that, on that day that the movie came out, Avengers Endgame, and you go and you sit down and you say, wow, I've really enjoyed the Star Wars franchise so far. I think I'm going to like this last movie. <laughs> you wouldn't understand it at all, right? It wouldn't make any sense to you if you thought that that was the final chapter of a different story. See, Jesus is the conclusion to a very particular story, the story of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and David. This is the story that Jesus is concluding, that Jesus is wrapping up, that Jesus is fulfilling. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. But what we tend to do, here's where we come in, what we tend to do is we tend to write Jesus into our own story. We tend to write Jesus into our own story. We tend to make Jesus the conclusion of our own story. We tend to just sort of tack Jesus on at the end and we say, well, here are all of my problems or here's my situation or here's my story or here's what I'm trying to accomplish and we sort of write Jesus into our own story. We've got to stop that, church. We've got to stop trying to write Jesus into our own story. We've got to stop trying to write Jesus into our family story. See, we have this story about our family that's all worked out in our head. The good things and the bad things, the things that we shouldn't have done, the things that we should do, the things that we're proud of and we think this is really good and I'm glad I came from a family like this. We tend to think about where our family comes from as far as our nation or our ethnicity or our culture our past, our mistakes, our successes, our highs and our lows, and then we sort of write Jesus into that story, don't we? And we say, well, here's how Jesus comes in, and here's how Jesus makes my story better. Jesus isn't interested in being invited into your story. What he wants for you is for you to embrace your role in his story. That's what I want for us. I want for us to learn to embrace our role in Jesus' story. That's what he's inviting us into. He's inviting us into the story of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and David and Elijah and Jeremiah and Isaiah. He's inviting us into that story to say, here's Here's how God called this covenant people out of Egypt and made them his own special people with the intention 
that through them he would bring the Messiah, his anointed king to rule the world and invite your family and invite you to be part of that story. And that's what we need to do in our families. If you want to be the very best husband that you can be, if you want to be the very best wife you can be, if you want to be the best mother or father or son or daughter or brother or sister or grandparent or aunt or uncle or cousin or neighbor, the very best thing that you can do is learn to embrace your role in Jesus' story. And you might say, well, Wes, I I don't know a lot about the Old Testament. I don't know a lot of those people that you mentioned, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and I don't know a lot about all of that. That's okay. You know what the key word here is? Learn. Learn. You don't have to know all of those things to be saved. You don't have to know all of the ins and the outs. I certainly don't. I don't know all the ins and outs, but we do have to commit ourselves to being students to understand that Jesus is the fulfillment to the law and the prophets. And if we don't know the law and the prophets, then we're probably not going to understand Jesus as well as we could. And if Jesus is someone that we love, then don't we want to know as much as we possibly can about him? If Jesus is someone to whom we are going to commit our entire lives, then shouldn't we want to know as much as we possibly can about him? If Jesus is the one on whom we're going to build our house, our lives, then shouldn't we want to know as much about him as possible? If you went and you saw the final movie in a long series of movies and you loved it, you would probably think, I need to go back and watch the other ones. Whether you had seen them already or not, you might go back and watch all of them because it would give you a better appreciation for how the story concludes. If you watched the the episode that came right after the cliffhanger, you'd want to go back and watch the, the cliffhanger so that you would better appreciate how the story wraps up, how the story is fulfilled, how the story concludes. And if you love Jesus and you're committed to Jesus, and you want to be a follower of Jesus, then this is what we should want to do. Learn to embrace your role in Jesus' story. And if you're a parent, then help your children learn to embrace their role in Jesus' story. Don't don't just have them write Jesus into their own story. Don't try to write Jesus into your family story. Allow Jesus to write you and your family into his story because his story is far bigger. His story is far more epic than your story. Jesus is far too big to fit in your story. Jesus is far too big to fit in my story. Jesus is far too big to fit in my family's story or your family's story. But his family story is big enough for all of us. And he's inviting us into his family story. So we have to learn to embrace our role, our place in the family story of Jesus. That means read the law, read the prophets, and understand how Jesus is the fulfillment, the wrapping up, the conclusion of all of these things. And you have a place in his story. So the application today is very simple. Read scripture. 
Read scripture. Be a family, be a home, be a household that reads the story of scripture and embraces your role, your place, your position in Jesus' family story. Church, I want you to know that during this time of separation, as we say so often, even though we're distant, we don't have to be disconnected. Please, if there's anything with which we can help you, if there's anything for which we can pray for you, please reach out to us. We want to know what you're going through. We want to know how we can help you. We want to walk through this period of our lives together. We want to help you embrace your role in Jesus' story. We want to embrace our role in Jesus' story by walking in this life and through this life with all of you. So let us know how we can help you. We're gonna sing one more song and then our brother Anthony Travis will close us in a prayer from his home. Thank you for being here today.